Hello and welcome to In The Pod, a place where we discuss mindset, creativity, growth, and positivity. Thank you for listening. Let's dive in. Q, big bro. Welcome, welcome to the cast, man. How how you doing today, brother? I'm doing pretty good, bro. You know, surviving in this uh forced isolation movement. You know, doing the doing the best I can and taking care of these kids, bro. Right. It's it's one of those moments where we we we're we're kind of um forced in a good way to really spend time with family, friends, um, um in in closed circles. Doing a lot of talking, you know, digitally and, and, and kind of making those adjustments, man. It's been, it's been a a transition we've like had to all make. Um, you know, talking about, you know, talking about that, like, what what's kind of your your thoughts within that, like, how we've been having to transition, and adjust, bro, with, within all of that. The really interesting thing for me, um, is that socially, not much of my life has changed. You know, you probably heard me joke before. I would always rather be at home, always. So the only thing that's changed for me has been professionally. Uh, but my social life is is pretty much the same. I'm at home with my kids um, all day while their mom is at work. And then she comes home and we run a tag team when she's home. She goes to bed and, you know, reset. Um, but, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, after 10 o'clock, I'm typically in rooms full of drunken strangers playing very, very loud, fantastic musics. And that's the biggest change for me is that that escape into work and the, uh, you know, revenue stream that comes with that came to a screeching out of nowhere halt. So that's that's been the biggest change and the biggest adjustment for me during all of this. Socially, um, if I'm not working with you, D, or me and you not meeting up for brunch or and typically when we do that, it's a few of us kind of like our, our little collective of creatives. When I'm not doing that, I'm typically just home anyway. I don't have much of a social life. I don't party. Um, you know, I don't do any drinking, no gambling, no strip clubs, no casinos. It's really just being a dad and then going to work. So 85 percent of my life is the same as it's always been. So that that hasn't been that large of an adjustment for me. So Q, speaking about things professionally for you, uh, being that that's probably the biggest change that's happened, even though that's only a small percentage, as you stated. Um, what's how's the adjustment come for you professionally now? Not even speaking about holistically with everything, but just the focus of being that your job is focused around crowds of people gathering together, um, and you providing the ambiance, the atmosphere, the the overall. Uh, feel of an event now that that's been taken away for you professionally what are your outlets what what types of things are you finding yourself trying to do to make things work bro i'm super glad that you asked me that um first of all everything came to a very very sudden stop you know even though there were some uh forecast of this pandemic coming uh, it wasn't really treated with that urgency initially when it became news. So out of nowhere, everything just stopped. I had 15 gigs canceled on the spot. That's three months worth of work almost. Um, thank God for DJ D-Nice. You know, D-Nice did the, the club quarantine. 150,000 people got on Instagram Live and listened to this man DJ from his kitchen, essentially. 
and watching him do it, there was a great appreciation for what he did, but I had no uh, hopes or aspirations of doing it myself because he did it on such a massive level and it was the timing of the way he did it was so perfect. You know, he had everybody in there from high-level politicians to high-level celebrities, actors, you know, the who's who of 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 the industry in general, not just the black industry, but, you know, everyone that you ever see on TV almost was in this live listening to him DJ. And I had no intentions of trying to follow that up. You know, I even, I remember I messaged somebody the day it happened and I'm like, man, I hope other DJs don't try to emulate this because it won't. Nobody will be able to do this again. This is D-Nice's moment. He needs to have it. But then a bunch of my friends from back home people I haven't seen in 10, 20 years started messaging me on Instagram and Facebook. Um, and, you know, my roommate from college, you know, somebody that I refer to as my big brother, Donald Burton, uh, really astute businessman. And, you know, my fraternity brother messaged me. And he's like, listen, bro, all of us are at home. All of us. And by all of us, he meant all of our mutual friends, everybody we went to college with. We're all at home with nothing to do. You definitely need to jump on. So I, you know, I said, okay, I'll try it. And the response I got from doing it that first time, you know, it was three and a half, I think three and a half weeks ago. Uh, I've gone live, you know, a total of four times now uh, because the response has been incredible. And that's kind of been my outlet. Uh, and because I get to be creative director, right? When I get hired by a nightclub, they have like a, a stipulation box that they put you in. You know, play this kind of music. We don't want to draw this kind of crowd, yada, yada, yada. When I'm doing my own streams, I can play whatever I want. And it's kind of brought the joy back to DJing for me as something that I got into as a passion. Um, and sadly, over the years, it's kind of become a job because depending on who hires you, they can really put you in a box into what directions you can go creatively and sonically. So being able to fully control the kick it and fully control the vibe has been really, really fun, man. Really, really refreshing and, you know, almost therapeutic for me. For me, it's, it's just beautiful to see that, you know, a person like D-Nice, you know, I tuned in to, to one of his lives one time. And just to see that we're at a, we're at a, we're at a point to where innovation and, and, you know, creativity can happen at any moment, even in the wake of you know, this this pandemic that we're dealing with where you can still think of outside the box ways to uh, uh, initiate creativity and bring people together. And just from D-Nice doing that, um, he encouraged UQ to, to do the same thing. I'm sure he encouraged thousands of other DJs to go outside of something that they normally wouldn't do. And that, you know, that's DJ live and create a consistent schedule of, Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this DJ set from you know noon to two on Wednesdays, and you can do donations if you like. But I'm just here to bring people together, play good music, talk with my friends, and have a have a great time in the midst of you know, and get people away from from just the the thoughts and the 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 the, the fears and the, the stress and the things that they're dealing with in the in the wake of of all of these different things. To be honest with you, I love the creativity that's come with uh, something like what D Nice and what now what what Q are doing uh, for people. Um, 
first and foremost to address where where you were coming from, Q were talking about, you know, I'm not sure if if I would want to do that. You know, D Nice has already done it. It's such a such a cool, innovative platform. You know, that idea of, oh, you know, I'm I'm copying, I'm biting, you know, I don't wanna I don't wanna do that. That's his thing. You know, he's already right, really right. captain that. I can see why you wanna do it. But at the same time, like you're talking about with your friends, with the people that are close to you, the people that know that you're a DJ and a very good DJ. It's one thing to sit in on a broadcast of a DJ spinning that you don't know who's really good, but it's a whole nother thing for me to get onto my IG and go onto a live feed of my friend, of someone I know that does this and they're spinning because now I have, it creates a relationship that's there with the person that's broadcasting. I think that's that that's another level to the actual activity itself because you no know, you don't need 150,000 people to be tuning in to your broadcast. But if you've got your if you got 100 of your closest friends and family in there rocking with you, communicating with you, maybe even making song requests based on the type of mix you're doing. I think that's kind of dope, man, to be honest with you. Bro, that's by far been the coolest part. You know, I'm a pretty good DJ, and I, I can say that with my with my head held high. I think I'm pretty good at what I do, but the coolest part has not been me DJing. The coolest part has been the community that's in the live talking to each other. It's a real social, it's a real social event. It's a real social gathering. You know, the the watching the interaction between friends of mine, and I'm talking about my high school, my high school principals in there. You know what I mean? Like friends of mine that I've known for 30 years. So you're talking about 30 years back, high school classmates, my high school principal, high school coaches, um, college teammates, frat brothers, you know, college classmates, all in this space, meeting each other for the first time, saying what's up. And then people who are mutual friends who haven't seen or talked to each other in forever, reuniting and reconnecting. Watching that happen has been the coolest part. And that's what I look most forward to. And we're all making plans to all get together now, planning a reunion of sorts when we can go back outside. You know what I mean? When we get off, when we get off punishment or get off house arrest, looking forward to all getting into the same space again. Uh, one of my dudes is going to, is planning a Midwest kind of tour for me where I'll go, you know, Detroit, uh, Bowling Green, where I went to college, Cleveland, Ohio, Columbus, Ohio, all within a seven day period. So it's a, a lot of excitement that I'm that I just can't wait to get into because the people who are showing up for these lives are having a blast and I got people showing me their fitness trackers where they got you know thousands of steps in in the few hours I was DJing so you know you're right bro it's it's that fellowship between friends and family coming to see somebody that they know DJ but also coming to see people that they know and talk and hang out with and crack jokes with each other during the set that's been by far the coolest part of it well i can tell you right now if you need an mc and you need a guy doing videography photography we got you covered my brother we got you <laughs> covered <laughs> so so i mean with with the change in how we've seen this landscape come about the thing that i i, I really do really dig about this whole quarantine process is what dj was alluding to earlier the creativity that people have to now put upon themselves to be productive in everyday life or 
not even creative, but just uh, more simple, more rudimentary, more traditional. Um, I'm sure that this quarantine has led to a, a lot more people just reading, spending quality time with the people that are in their household on a daily basis that they probably usually don't do uh, many activities with, or just simply having more healthy interactions with, with people, uh, taking time to reach out to, to those that you haven't spoken with in such a long time and making sure that you're connecting with people in new and typically untraditional ways. I mean, in the past two days, I've done game nights with friends and family via uh, Zoom and just hanging out with people. So you find so many cool ways to reach out and to connect with people outside of the norms of the regular rigmarole that we had before on an everyday basis. Yeah, it's definitely... Uh, like I said, for me, a lot of the social part of my day is the same. And I guess the uh, a thing that I said earlier that wasn't really a, f- a fair depiction, I said like an 85-15 split, that's just about the amount of time, right? The hours that I spend at home with my kids is about 85 to 15. But the, the kind of impact on my life, being able to create is my, that's my fuel. Uh, and when I can't, if I couldn't, let me let me say that. If I couldn't, I think I would be going crazy. Um, and that's the thing that I didn't take into account when my boy suggested to go live. I didn't take into account that it gives me an opportunity to to release that part of my life that kind of stopped existing for a minute. But um, DJ probably noticed I've been cooking every day. And I used to get fast food at least four times a week, at least before this happened. But I'm in the kitchen every day now. You know, my lady, she's a foodie. So she'll be at work. I'll hear my phone alert. It's a new recipe for a new dish that she wants us to try. So I've been lightweight getting my chef on and still trying to, you know, trying to impress her with my cooking skills. Um, You know, she's giving me an opportunity to do that every day. So, uh, Taryn, you'll probably see now because we definitely got to follow each other after this. If you, you know, check my feed at least every other night, you'll see some very uh exquisitely prepared uh meal being presented to my family because i'm trying to be you know chef boy rq out here in these streets so that's been the the, another change that has come with being able to spend this amount of time with with my family at the house work your wrist then young man look look q my my mouth is salivating over here thinking about it the 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 dishes you you prepared that i've seen on, on your instagram I've I've been waiting for the cooking with cooking with Q live stream for a minute now. So so, so when is that coming? Don't, okay, don't so stop this playing is, with it. This is my thing, man. Because uh, yesterday, two of my friends that are chefs hit me on something like that, and it would be like, you know how when some celebrity just starts DJing, it's like, oh, okay, they they DJing now. That's what I don't want. I don't want you know. I got friends that are legit chefs. And they gassing me up. They're like, bro, you need to do something with this cooking. And I'm like, bro, y'all are chefs. Y'all need to do something with this cooking. I can't jump in that lane. That's how I feel. I don't know that I'm right, but that's how that's that's my reluctance to do something like that. I'm like, there's people out here who are legit chefs. I'm just a dude that cooks. And maybe that could be my, you know, maybe that could be the the hook. I'm just a dude that cooks. I'm not, you know, a chef, if you will. Mm-hmm. I, I think that makes sense because, like, if you think about it, when nighttime comes or 
you know, early evening before you've really started or decided on what you want to do for dinner. If somebody goes live and it's like, yo, we making this tonight. I'm taking you step through, step by step through this process of cooking this dish. Uh, if y'all just want to watch and learn or if y'all want to cook right alongside me, that'd be kind of dope. Yeah. So you're like, yo, your chef friends, that's a lane for them right there. A whole nother lane of creativity that can be broached if people really wanted to just step out on it and try it. And that's a really crazy idea, man. Literally two, two chef friends of mine yesterday hit me like, bro, you have to start showing people how you're making these dishes. Which is, it's strange because you think the chef would want to keep that, that, that kind of, uh, the mystique of, man, it's so hard to do. But they're telling me there's people at home that need to be able to cook for themselves while, you know, people can't go out. And they're like, man, if you show people how simple it is to make a dish like that, um, you know, a lot of people would probably be helped by it. And they was laughing because I like to present my food in a certain way. Like, I like it to look like it tastes good. Uh, my mom makes fun of me for it, but you know, if I'm gonna take a picture of a plate, it has to look like a chef put it together. That's that's kind of the thing that I think catches my my chef friend's eye, is that for me the presentation part of it matters. I think food tastes better when it looks good. Hmm. You, it's funny because, like you were saying, you feel like your creative, uh, I should I said should say creative friends who are chefs should be doing exactly that, but as we all know, most creatives are introverts. Most creatives, mm -hmm. we shy away from the camera, we shy away from the spotlight. And you know, you may be that, that push that they need to see like, oh, if Q is doing this and he's not, he, he, he just is doing this as a hobby, maybe this is something that we should do. Um, and I, and I, I hope this time, especially this time for us being, you know, kind of just locked in and, 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 and stuck in our head and, and having to dive deeper into really who we are, um, and, and the things that we want to do moving forward. I hope this really just encourages creative people who are afraid to to, to speak their voice or, um, you know, and fear judgment or have these insecurities about sharing their work uh, by speaking about it. I hope this is, a, this is an encouraging moment for that. And so, you know, you being a creative, uh, uh, cute, and, and being able to get on camera and actually do your craft is actually a brave thing to do, and not a lot of people have that courage to do. Big facts. Um, I'm first of all, I'm already loving this podcast. We're already only about close to twenty minutes in, but I feel like we've already talked about some really cool things, and we got some really great fellowship going on right now. But I want to pivot, and I want to talk about unlucky weirdos. Q, explain to the listeners what that is, how it started. And, and and what you are doing with it right now. Unlucky Weirdos has been a really interesting journey, man. Um, and that's, you know, it's it's funny that we're doing this together. It's actually Derek's fault <laughs> that it's way different than I envisioned and intentioned it to be, right? I was I used to be a buyer for a chain of retail clothing stores. So I would have to go to these uh, <clears throat> trade shows a few times a year, every year. Uh, the idea would be to uh, make our purchases for the next season's run. You know, so we go in the spring to buy for the fall and, and vice versa every year. And the last time I went to one of those trade shows before I stopped doing that job, 
all of the new and emerging brands were speaking to this kind of forced imaginary opulence, right? Like the idea that everybody had to be rich. Everybody had to be a boss. So everybody's driving a Bentley and everybody's flying private and everybody's got a diamond necklace and everybody's popping bottles. And I think it was aspirational opulence, right? The the young the young urban hip kid aspired to be the P. Diddy or the Jay-Z that they saw on TV. So the way to, to mimic that lifestyle was to rent or lease the super nice cars and buy the super nice watches and spend a whole lot of money and, you know, take pictures on private jets and all these things. And after three or four meetings, getting that same kind of lifestyle pitched at me, it was weird because I couldn't relate to it. And this was as an adult professional. And this was, you know, after having spent over a decade working with uh, and around professional athletes, race car drivers, team owners. Um, I'd seen this level of money. I'd seen people who lived this lifestyle. But even the people I knew who had that kind of money didn't flaunt it the way that these brands were kind of pitching. Uh, even the names of the of the brands were, were obnoxious in that way, uh, you know, pointing very directly on the nose at the idea that I'm rich and I'm popular and I'm famous and I'm, you know, just all these things. I was walking back to the elevator after, you know, one of the days on the floor at the show. And I was just like, man, you know, when I was a kid, none of this stuff even seemed real. And I would hate to have to be made to feel like I was less than because I couldn't afford this stuff, because I couldn't relate to this very opulent lifestyle. You know, my mother worked sometimes 12, sometimes 16, sometimes 19 hour days just to get us the bare minimum, just so that we were warm and fed and clothed. So as a part of that budget, there was no Michael Jordans. There was no Tommy Hill figure. There was no polo. There was no Nike. There was none of that. There was Kmart. There was Payless. Um, and somehow she never made me feel like I was less than for having to quote unquote settle for the off-brand clothes and the off-brand shoes. But I do remember being made fun of in school. I do remember, you know, moments of maybe either being the kid sitting by himself in the lunchroom or seeing the kid sitting by themselves in the lunchroom and being able to uh, on a level of empathy, relate to that experience almost immediately, far more than I could relate to flying on a private jet. Um, and, and right in that moment, the name Unlucky Weirdo came to me. Um, and Unlucky is not a badge that means that's the life you're set to live. It just points to the very, very real circumstances of being born in this country specifically. And having your skin look like mine. That is an unlucky truth uh, that you had no control over. You were born black in this country. You got some immediate obstacles that you have to get over and get past. So it's not, you know, calling yourself an unlucky weirdo. It's not a forecast of the life that you have ahead of you. It's just, you know, pointing to the very real circumstances that are beyond your control that you were born into. And weirdo meaning exactly what it sounds like. You know, being unique, not fitting in, not being the status quo, you know, not being the 
the Christian white heterosexual man, right? Anything other than that, you're kind of, you know, you, you have your own set of obstacles that you're going to be presented with. Now, of course, some of some less than others, some far more than others. But for everybody who doesn't fit exactly in the status quo, I wanted to give them something to relate to. The idea was to have conversations like the one I'm having with you guys, though. Um, the hoodies and the T-shirts would just act as merch at that point. So the same way you would support your favorite sports team and buy their jersey, if you self-identified as an unlucky weirdo, you would buy a shirt and say to the world, hey, I'm an unlucky weirdo too. The problem is when you get with somebody like Derek, whose <laughs> talent level is very excessive, you shoot a video that looks like a movie trailer right and everybody wants to be involved with that moment that they feel like they missed so dj really put me in a, in a position that i was not prepared to be in because we went out to the desert and talk about murphy's law everything went wrong for this shoot we ordered several thousand dollars worth of samples uh we hired 10 models and the day before and the morning of the shoot all the models canceled and none of the clothes came so we had, I think, two hoodies between a bunch of us that were just there. And we just all started putting the stuff on and became the models. And uh, DJ just kept telling me the whole trip there, bro, I promise you it's going to be dope. He's like, I know you're stressed out. I know things are not working out the way that you wanted them to, but I promise you it's going to be dope. And he put together a visual that that forced me to skip a bunch of steps, right? I figured. We'll put this visual out. People will see the black sheep with zero likes and they'll wonder what is that? Except he captured a visual that was so captivating and, and I have to give us all credit for picking a song that just worked fantastically with the visual that we put together where people got it immediately. I didn't have to explain what it meant. People saw it and they were like, yeah, that's me. I need that. And the hoodies that we wore in that video they were like the free merch hoodie. They were like, if you go to any screen printer and you're getting something screen printed, it's the hoodie that comes with the screen printing. So it's like the lowest quality hoodie ever. But I'm And I was trying to explain that to people when they saw it, but nobody cared. They're like, okay, so what? I still want it. So that kind of jumped me into this world of kind of apparel more than merch um, and it kind of forced my hand to get into that. And even the black sheep with no likes, that wasn't my idea specifically i just talked to a whole bunch of graphic designers told them all the idea and like piece by piece we got to the black sheep and the black sheep was all that i wanted with the last guy that sent me back the logo that i ended up going with i didn't say anything about likes i didn't say anything about that notification only that i wanted people to feel like being liked on social media is not the most important thing in the world people do not determine your worth externally in that way and you shouldn't look for them to so you know i could go for hours about this thing because it's that you know I'm, I'm that passionate about it uh, and if you guys have any you know follow-up questions i can go into more detail but i don't want to talk for 45 minutes straight about unlucky weirdos because i can so i'm going to press pause for a second and let you guys jump in q i don't think there's a, a problem at all you talked for an hour and a half about unlucky weirdos from from my perspective when you initially 
told me about Unlucky Weirdos and the way you talked about Unlucky Weirdos. Whenever you, whenever we speak, you always speak from the perspective of giving other people value and bringing other people of value to any opportunity to make it a bigger and more grand idea. And from just the first minute of you talking about Unlucky Weirdos and what it represented, I was initially on board. Like that was, I was sold. Even if you weren't trying to sell me, I was sold. Um, just because I knew it was something that you represented um, and that you believed in and that you felt uh, brought light, something that was relatable to a lot of people. I, I related to the unlucky weirdo stamp. I, I re- I, and I know a lot of people that were involved and that are still involved um, with the brand relate to what the stamp represents. And so I... I appreciate even just being involved, involved with the opportunity, man, just to create with you, um, to create with Beam and and to create with, you know, everyone who initially came up with the idea and is pushing that idea forward. So that's just my perspective. And if you want to talk about Unlucky Weirdos for an hour, I'll listen because I I understand what it means and I understand um, why it's so important for this type of community this type of creative community hey i'm not gonna lie to you man i'm ordering a hoodie and a t-shirt as we speak brother i'm on the website right now i'm getting me some unlucky weirdo because i I can't like the name immediately uh endears you to that that state like i'm very i i've i very much feel in that lane like never really cared about that type of stuff those 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 likes those followers all that stuff or you know feeling like you know uh just being feeling feeling like you're always that that one weird guy that a lot of people might not even realize how weird you are at times and like i think uh it's funny because growing up and and even becoming grown men that's one of the reasons why me and dj have been so close together because I think we we both have that that side to us where we're very creative, we're very introverted, but we're just different, and we see yeah. things differently from from other people to a point that some of the things we talk about, if we were in the presence of other run of the mill everyday black men, they'd probably be like, "Man, what the hell are y'all talking about, bro?" Like, nah, that's not that's not what it is, and it's like, no, nah, I mean, open your mind, think about something that's that's different, do something. Do something that's that's completely different from from what other people uh want to do on the mainstream side. You know, um we 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 talked about it in college, uh me and DJ. One of the things we always would, would say to each other was, Hey man, do dope shit daily. And like the understanding was it didn't have to be nothing super mainstream that got a lot of uh likes or, or or a lot of recognition from other people but just do things that that to yourself to those that you care about the most if you if 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 you will they think it's dope you know what i'm saying that's what matters the most you know um and i think that people will call us weird because of the fact that we're not concerned with you know the popular vote or the uh the things that um others may see as being uh hip or cool 
You know, the really interesting thing for me, bro, is that my life kind of forced me into the weirdo box. So my oldest siblings are 11 and 16 years older than me. So they were pretty much adults when I was going through, you know, childhood. They were out in the world living their lives, starting their families. Um, my sisters had a huge influence on me. Um, everything was very, very, very different. I'm very thankful that I had an understanding where I never felt the need to pressure my mom to buy me the things to keep up with the Joneses. I, at a very early age, understood where we were. I'm like, okay, we're not going to be able to afford that. I'm not going to make my mom feel away because we can't. I'm not going to I'm not going to allow myself to feel away because we can't. So imagine this. My mother's a pastor. I have 11 siblings. Um I have six sisters. I get to college. <clears throat> I'm on a full scholarship to play football. Except I'm a virgin and I don't drink. Then I join a fraternity. So listen to all of these things as bullet points. Full scholarship athlete Division 1 university. Uh, Vice President, Phi Beta Sigma Fraternity Incorporated. Vice President, uh, Bowling Green Chapter, NAACP. National Second Vice President, National Panhellenic Council. Virgin doesn't drink. <laughs> right? So I don't even have a social circle. I don't fit into anything. Um, I'm not similar to anyone. Um so weirdo became like an an unforced badge i literally didn't fit in uh the funny thing about now though the name unlucky weirdos i had to go back and forth on whether or not i would use it because some people immediately and readily associate both of those terms to very very negative feelings you know not everybody even those who associate who self-associate as weirdos want to be called that by anybody else so i was back and forth on whether or not i was going to do it but then that was the whole point right I, the, the the whole idea is if the name was a very very comfortable very very accepted name it'd be against the very fiber of why we created the movement in the first place so going with unlucky weirdos was a risk and i've had some people that loved the visual and wanted to shoot with us but wanted us to do it for something else. I don't know if I ever told you that, DJ, but there were several models that were like, yo, the stuff y'all are doing is incredible. We should do something like that. But can we not do it for that brand? Because they didn't like unlucky weirdos. And it was like, you know what, sweetie? Um, maybe at some point in the future, we'll have something that we can work with you on. But in my mind, I'm immediately like, like nah, I'm not even gonna put you in the same uh, ecosystem as these brilliantly talented people that I work with, because we all very proudly wear the Unlucky Weirdos badge. And if that's something that you frown upon and look down your nose at, you probably wouldn't vibe with us anyway, no matter how dope you are aesthetically. Um, so it's, it's been quite the journey, man. Tearing means it means the world that, that you identify with it in some way. Um, it always actually catches me off guard, the people that rock with it. You know, the, the Justin Biebers of the world, the Odell Beckham Juniors of the world. Um, you hear stories from these guys and from the outside looking in, 
it looks like life is perfect and sweet um, and, and they're human just like us and can identify to not being fully understood. So when I start having conversations with people like that and realize that we had things like that in common, then I knew, okay, it's okay to very proudly put weirdo on a shirt proudly because they're going to be way more people than you realize that will look at that and say, yo, that's me. And that's dope. Big facts. Shout out to all the unlucky weirdos and all the coolest losers out there. And that's what that's about, man. So Quentin, one of the things that uh, I know also you mentioned to us that you, uh, that you do is, is along with, of course, DJing and what you're doing with unlucky weirdos is songwriting. Um, how did you get into songwriting and what has that done for you as an outlet uh, creative? Uh, another fantastic question, man. Another thing that I had no intention on ever doing. Um, I got a, a, a partner out here named uh, Darren Anthony. Him and I met uh, working uh, on a project together 11 years ago now, something like that, 10 years ago. And we were in the studio one night and I was there just as an auxiliary. I was, you know, I was more on the business management side than the creative side. And he kind of uncomfortably forced me into the space of contributing to something that he was writing. Um, I think there are things like songwriting and DJing and producing that are very, very intimidating from the outside looking in. If you're watching somebody do it, that's very good at it. They're doing very complicated things really easy, which is what makes it feel like it's impossible for you to do it. Because you're looking and you're like, man, there's no way I can do that. Once you're invited into that space and properly kind of instructed on, on what you're supposed to be doing, it becomes far less intimidating. Um, but going through some things in life, more specifically heartbreak, caused me to decide I wasn't going to write anymore. And in the midst of trying to cope with that heartbreak, I left the country. And I left the country in a very, very pronounced way. I got off of all social media. I was off social media for three years. So no Twitter, no no Instagram, no LinkedIn, no nothing. I changed my phone number. I canceled my emails. I hopped on a cruise ship to DJ for a month. And while I was DJing on this cruise ship, I met another songwriter. And we wrote a song together. And that kind of lit the fire like okay I'm gonna actually do this now I'm not just gonna dibble and dabble in it I'm gonna actually do this um and even then it still took some time to kind of cycle through that pain because I ran away from it for a long time I got off that cruise ship and I went to Asia and I was out of the country for three and a half months just trying to heal but I wasn't healing because I wasn't dealing with the pain I was just running from it and I actually gave myself the false sense of success. Like I felt like I made it like, man, I'm doing fantastic. This feels wonderful. Except when I came back home, all of that hurt and all those problems, all that stuff was just sitting on my couch. Like, okay, you're home. You're going to deal with us now. And I kind of had to start over. Um, after dealing with all of that stuff, more years had passed. And I the, like the fear of that pain kind of kept me from writing. And I bumped into my little brother, Vincent Berry, um, out in Los Angeles after not having seen him for a few years. And he was understandably pissed at me because, you know, I didn't lean on family through this hurt. I was trying to deal with it by myself and kind of running from it. And I hadn't seen him in a long time. 
And as I caught him up on everything that happened in those years between me seeing him and he saw, you know, the stuff that I was going through. And I'll, I'll tell you guys more about some very, very personal things in a more personal way than this. But he saw all of it happen and just couldn't get in touch with me. So imagine we sit down and have this conversation and he just presses the keys on the keyboard. And here we go. We're about to write another song. And it was like, once again, you can't keep running from something that you're called to do. You're going to have to sit down with this and, and really, really get into it. And, um, you know, I'll send you guys some music so you can hear what we came up with that day. But songwriting was not an aspiration of mine. I was not looking forward to doing it. I never thought I could. So I guess I never really thought about it in that way because it just seemed so impossible. Um, but it has become another cathartic outlet for me. Um and, you know, I've, I've been able to, to luckily work with some excessively talented people and create some really cool stuff. And we got a lot more coming. So is it is it mostly R&B music to this point that you've been doing? The f the first few songs that I wrote were very. Um, it was like R&B over hip hop production. Okay. So, you know, it sounded more like rap than R&B, but the artist that we were writing for was a singer. Uh, but the production style and the presentation of the music was very hip-hop. Even the cadence and the lyrics were very hip-hop. It just so happened to be a, a really pretty voice, you know, conveying those lyrics. There's an artist, I, I think her name's Reagan. I believe was her name. Um, yes, and I've heard some. I've heard some of her music, and it is is very unique. It has a very very unique different style to it. And and is that is that an artist that you're doing a a good amount of work with currently? So Reagan Capace is wow, dude. Like so, I. Let me see how I stumbled across Reagan. We were, so we get back from shooting at the dunes, DJ, uh, and Ralph, um, Ralph's roommate, Sam Opoku, another excessively, just brilliantly talented singer from Ghana. Um, we're doing a lot of work with him. I took him to LA, put him in, in some rooms with some really, really talented, really accomplished music producers and songwriters. And as a result of that, um, kind of seeing my reach and the, the amount of connections I had in that world, Ralph was like, listen, man, there's this girl that we work with that you got to meet. And the, the thing about being a creative, there's, there's, there's kind of a gift and a curse to it. When it becomes clear to everybody that that's what you do, and I'm sure, Derek, I'm sure you go through this all the time, everybody who knows anybody that they think is pretty or cute or hot or whatever you should shoot them that's that's how they bring it to you like you should shoot this person i know because i think they're dope um and it takes All you to have to look at this person and they might be attractive they might be whatever but not everybody has the proper visual aesthetic for the type of work that you do so people know that i dj more than they know that i'm a songwriter but once people actually get into my ecosystem and if you take a trip with me somewhere, by the end of that trip, you're gonna be like, "Oh, I didn't, I didn't realize that it was, <laughs> I didn't realize that it was this." 
I didn't realize that it was on this level because I just don't really, I don't play that to the front. It's just something that happens to be true about me from a lot of years of building a lot of really healthy uh, relationships with people. So when he says there's this girl that you that you got to meet and she sings, I'm like, okay, sure. Right. And, and not that I didn't take him seriously. It's just you hear it so often. Your mind doesn't switch to, oh, I should be excited and anxious about this. It's just like, oh, OK, sure. Whenever you want, I can meet her. Um, months passed and I never met her. And we were going to uh, and DJ actually had to pull out from this trip. But we were headed to Long Beach for Complex Con. And we were in the car on the way to California. I guess Ralph was just tired of waiting on me to make time to meet her. So he just plugged into the auxiliary and pressed play. And as soon as I heard her voice, we almost U-turned and drove back to Phoenix. Because I'm like, I got to meet her now. Um, he spent the next 35 minutes playing me her music. And I was obsessed from that moment. So when I get back to Phoenix, she had a show. I went to the show. And uh, her and I talked for about an hour afterwards. And I'm like, listen. I don't know in what capacity you need me, but I would love to assist you in taking this this dream of yours and making it real. You know, I would love to put you in a position where music is how you make a living, not just a hobby that you enjoy. You know, so you don't have to go to work and then find time for your music. You can make music your everything. I said I know that sounds far fetched. You know, that the idea of becoming a full-time professional in the music doesn't seem realistic even to people that do it because they're they're so used to gigging they're so used to doing a gig here and going to work and doing a gig here and going to work and it does not seem realistic to them that they could just do music and have a comfortable living doing so um and typically if somebody comes to them and approaches them about doing that for them it's in the other person's best interest right so it's not even really a good deal for them so I was able to, to, you know, have that conversation with her. And it took her, you know, over a month to kind of sit with it, pray about it, talk to people that she trusted, talk to people that, you know, were in her inner circle about it. And when she said, once she said go, uh, it was immediately time to start making some really, really incredible moves that, you know, after all of this social distancing is over, you guys will see a bit more about what I'm talking about. And I'll let you guys hear some of her music that, you know, that the public probably hasn't heard yet. She's different. She's special and different in a way that is, is very, very pronounced. Um, and such a humble, genuine, fantastic person. Um, so there's going to be a lot of really cool things happening with Reagan in the very, very near future that I've got to gotta make sure I keep you guys up to speed on. Um, she's, a, she's a rare person and a rare talent. Uh, Reagan Capaci, R-E-A. G-A-N-C-A-P-A-C-I. Um, you can find her on, you know, Instagram and uh, SoundCloud and Spotify. Uh, really, really, really talented. Really, really unique. And things that we're about to do with her creatively are really going to, you know, I think set people's ears on fire. You know, I think for Taryn and I, like, a lot of our background is in music and just having the 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 passion and the um the mindfulness of what you know good good music is and, and what okay music is and what you know bad music is absolutely and a lot of bad we, a lot <laughs> <laughs> and you know we 
we've got that history. Taryn, Taryn and his brother actually started a record label um, um, back in, in high school, I believe. Right? Man, my brother started it, yeah, when I, when I was in high school. And then um, I started uh, working with him and helping him out about senior high school. Yeah, and so so even with that, and um, we actually while we're in college, we started this this uh, concert series called Yo Wednesday, where every Wednesday we have local talent, including Taryn himself, uh, come out and perform, bring out their bring out their audience, and really provide a platform for just creativity and expression for music. And uh, we brought out a wide variety of artists, man, like uh, rap. Obviously, we had R&B. There was some soul. Um, we had instrumentalists come out and play the guitar and sing. We had drummers come out and play, and um, you know, just that we've always had that passion for music in, in in some form of fashion. So it's always really incredible to to hear you know stories of of ways that just knowing how artists and uh, and their road you know to to being an artist works and. They need help, and a lot of them don't realize they need help from people that have connections to get them into to specific doors. And it's beautiful that you're, you know, able to to open some doors for her. Um, and I've heard some of some of Sam's music too, and his his music is incredible too. And so, for you to be to be big bro and open up some doors for for these young, you know, hungry aspiring artists is is such a is such a great thing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, first and foremost, shout out to you for putting on for other people. Um, I think that's important that, you know, regardless of the situation or, you know, what you can gain from um, certain situations, you just want to put somebody else on and you want to just, or you just want to work with somebody because of how talented they are for no other reason than that. You know, like you said, when, when you were in the car and you heard her voice, it's like, nah, turn the car around. Like, I have to meet her now. I need, I get, I want to work with her. Like that's the, that's the level of, of uh, the creative that's so special, you know? Um, but before we wrap, uh, my last question that I definitely want to get out there to you, Q, and I think this will really benefit a lot of people that are listening that uh, find themselves in the same situations. I mean, obviously from anybody that listens to this podcast, they'll see that, that you yourself are very much a, a, a creative renaissance man in in uh our current uh everyday landscape and i think the the thing that comes along with that is uh the worry about you know spreading yourself too thin so how do you navigate that that landscape with so many different projects in your hands and so many different areas that are uh that are related but also very much different from one another how do you go about the the balance of, of of keeping everything together or you know going from one place to another and, and making sure that it all stays you know uh level or you know the amount of attention is shared uh equally amongst all those different things and areas uh, first i want to speak to what you said before about helping other people and putting other people on um that's kind of always been the spirit that I approach things with, but I can't, <clears throat> I can't be dishonest. Uh, there was a moment where I said I was never going to do that again. And I uh, mortgaged a lot of relationships and a lot of resources into somebody that I really, really cared about. And when things didn't work out, 
and there wasn't a return. I don't mean an investment return. I just mean reciprocity. There was no give back. It was all take. And then things didn't work out. And I promised myself that I wouldn't allow myself to be that for anyone else ever again. And it was a really, really selfish decision that I made in a moment of a lot of hurt. And Sam Opoku and Reagan Capace, they changed me. They um they changed me. I don't know I don't know a different way to say it than that. When I heard Sam's voice for the first time, I said, Man, you can't even claim to be a good person if you don't help this kid. You can't say to anybody that you meet after today that you're a good guy. Just good. You can't even say you're a good guy if you don't do something to help this beautiful and amazing human being that you just met. And that was with Sam. So I had to have a, a meeting with me. You know what I mean? Like, okay, dude, you know, you said you wouldn't put yourself out there this way again. But how could you look yourself in the mirror if you don't help this kid move some of these obstacles out of his way? Because this kid isn't like, oh, he makes okay music. It's like, no, this this is something different. And the same thing with Reagan. So I really had to, to, to step outside of myself, man, and, and remove some very selfish energy that I had uh, in the name of, you know, quote unquote, protecting myself and, and really say, you know, it's it's all about helping other people that's the whole point man what are what else are we here for right if 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 there's something that i know will benefit you guys tremendously to not bring that to you is just so i don't even know the proper word for it you know i don't i don't understand people that hoard opportunities even those that have nothing to do with them there's no way they can benefit from them or they only bring opportunities when there's something that they can benefit from I don't believe that we should move that way. And I think it's hard to tell people you care about them if you're not willing to put yourself out of the way for their best interest. So the same thing with Reagan, the same thing with Sam. It's not about me. I just know I have a vehicle that can get them where they're trying to go. Right? They've been trying to go over water in cars, and I have a boat. How am I going to not just put them on the boat and take them where they're going? So you know, to, to speak to that part. I've had to, you know, have some some self-reflective meetings with my with with me and remind myself that we're not here for ourselves, that we're here for each other. Uh, it's the whole point of relationships of any kind, friendships or romantic. The idea is, is is to not make life easier for the other people around you. Then what are we here for? Q, we want to we want to thank you, man, for. Really, just sharing your light, just sharing your, your your positivity and your your energy on this on this show, and it doesn't go unappreciated. We we thank you, we thank you for 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 coming on and and giving us just some background about yourself, about your life, about currently what you're working on, currently what you're you you're, you've been doing to to just like you said, provide um um, um an opportunity for others, man, and, and to build beyond that so I want to thank you brother we appreciate it Q absolutely man thank you so much for joining us thank you for listening to today's episode you can expect to hear a new episode every Tuesday to show support leave a review 
and share this podcast with friends. Thanks and see you next time. Hello and welcome to In The Pod, a place where we discuss mindset, creativity, growth, and positivity. Thank you for listening. Let's dive in. Hello and welcome to In The Pod, a place where we discuss mindset, creativity, growth, and positivity. Thank you for listening. Let's dive in.